So, Brett, do you know what March 12th will go down in history as? The second most down day in the stock market since 1987? The largest down day in the stock market since 1987. Oh, I was so close. All right. (laughs) So, understandably, I feel like a lot of people are kind of freaking out about what's been going on with the market. Right. And so hopefully you guys are catching this episode pretty quickly. But right, yeah, it's been a crazy roller coaster couple of weeks here uh, with the crazy upswings and downswings with the market due to coronavirus concerns globally, due to oil price concerns globally. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, in the future state that we don't have quite that visibility into yet at the time of this podcast. But there'll be many, many other, you know, problem areas that are going to be popping up and causing us some other volatility. Yeah, so it's fun times uh, if you if you ask anybody. And I think, right, there's a lot of concern right now because there's a concern around, oh my gosh, what's going on with my investments? And then there's some concern, and I know especially with people who are working in tourism or the service industry or for airlines about, like, what's going on with my job right now? Right, and yeah, there, there should be some concern for that, right? Because I'm seeing that in my industry as well. We work with a lot of different companies, and even the project that I was currently staffed on, after like three weeks of starting it into like an eight-week project, they just like closed their doors, shut down like all business with all consultants completely, and we're just like battening down the hatches because their industry was heavily, heavily affected uh, by by this market. Change. Right, which means that your industry ultimately gets affected because sure. that's your client. Yeah, we're right? a little bit more diversified than somebody that's in right. like the travel or hospitality industries right now that are like all of their business has been like cut down to almost nothing, right? Or all of their revenue. Um, and so what do you do with all those people on the books, right? So you can only float that for so long, and hopefully this all kind of goes under the radar. But at least our business, we work with a lot of different companies, so some not as affected by this. But even I think I saw today that Disneyland decided to close their doors, and all these conventions uh, usually bring in a lot of money in, in different cities uh, are all closing down. The March Madness has shut down, right? Yeah. In the United States, we have a big basketball tournament in March every year for all of the college athletes um, to to play one another in the United States and it's a big deal and gambling is a huge part of that and like sports mm-hmm. betting and all this stuff and so like that is just completely shut down because they don't want to have the athletes or the students participate in that. Well that and I heard that the NBA is also suspending games. Colleges have been shut down across America. Students are being told if they already had spring break to not come back from spring break or they're telling students to kind of pack their bags. Some colleges are even closing dormitories, so students need to find somewhere to live. So you could say shit is kind of hitting the fan here in America. (laughs) And I think people are feeling it differently depending on where exactly you live and what you're around. Being in Chicago, I know we're definitely noticing it. Um, I would say, you know... We, we actually live right by Lakeshore Drive. We can see it from our window, and we can tell that there's, like, less people driving into the office because companies are telling people to work from home. Right, yeah. We normally see, like, the slow jog of people going 10 miles an hour on the highway, you know, right out, you know, kind of long distance out our window. But, yeah, now the traffic's just flowing regularly. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like, it probably 
60% or more of people are not, no longer working downtown. And I know like the metro, which comes in from the suburbs, a lot of people are just choosing to not commute in from the suburbs. The CTA hasn't seemed, that's the Chicago Transit Authority, which is like the L and the bus, like the city buses. Um, that hasn't seemed to be quite as impacted yet, but I feel like it's a matter of time based on what's happening in New York. And we can say from personal experience that, like, there is no more toilet paper left in the city. I don't know why everybody's yeah. buying the Everybody, toilet paper. you know, apparently we were late to the game. Everybody's got, like, a 16-year supply of toilet paper in their house now for a one- or two-person, you know, household. I don't understand, like... Just to clarify, one of the symptoms of coronavirus is not shitting uncontrollably. <laughs> so, yeah, don't don't really understand that model, but once somebody starts grabbing stuff, people are like, oh, my God, I need to have it, too. Yeah. Right? So, uh, anyway. But so, bottled water has been going, like, hotcakes, too, so people are definitely preparing. Um so and, enough of the news, though, right? Right, so right. Th- th- there's our recap. <laughs> right. So it'll be interesting. You know, our speculation, we'll see what happens in the future here. But, uh, right, so things uh, from a media coverage perspective are taking a turn for the worst, which is causing people to, you know, batten down the hatches a little bit more and be a little bit more right. cautious, which is a good thing mm-hmm. um, in a situation which we don't have a lot of data for, which is right. really the real situation of what it is. And I think the big thing is we're, you know, we're just trying to spread the, flatten the curve, right? So we're trying to, f- instead of everyone getting sick at once, we're trying to smooth that out. Um, so what can you do from a financial perspective? Some smart things to do are, you know, we always promote buying in bulk so i don't think that changes right. um you know we just kind of naturally have oats on hand we have rice on hand if there was some type of quarantine where we couldn't leave our place we have enough food to feed ourselves for a while right we have stale peanuts we have stale pumpkin <laughs> seeds we have stale sunflower seeds and a whole pig <laughs> like we are yeah. we are good to go if we don't need any other vegetables yeah um you know so that's that's kind of one area that people are concerned with this is a good time to make sure, you know, if you have those extra funds, shore up your emergency fund if you've been kind of putting that off. It's a good time to have an emergency fund because in any kind of economic downturn or economic uncertainty, um, it's just kind of nice. That's what our emergency funds are for, right? So it's been 10 years since we've had a big market downturn like this. And I think sometimes, you know, people kind of forget what do we do, what's good practice. And it's mm-hmm. like keep a little extra cash on hand. Um but don't pull it out of investments if you don't need to, right? right? And that's a big thing. That's the real kind of thing we wanted to talk about on this particular mini episode is this is not the time to decide to rebalance your portfolio. Right. And right, we, we've talked about this many times before, right? On a downswing, you're moving into like a, you know, buy, buy, buy territory, you don't in sync. That's right. <laughs> right. You don't want to start like selling all your assets, especially today when it's been the lowest it has been in two years. Right. Like what a terrible time to sell. You just wasted all that stuff in two years. Who cares if it goes down more? You're not going to pull the money out next week. Right. This isn't the money that you have invested in the stock market is not your emergency fund. Right. It's your like extra, extra, extra emergency fund. Well, and for most people, <laughs> it's your 401k. That too. So your 401k or your IRA is money that you don't need until you retire. And spoiler, even when you do retire, you don't need it all immediately. So even in retirement, experts recommend doing at 
worse, you know, a 60-40 allocation where you have 60% stocks and 40% bonds. So, you know, that's kind of what the saving grace is here. If you do have money invested, you know, maybe you're at retirement or maybe you have a taxable investment account and you're like, oh, hey, but what if something happens and I need access to more money? Well, we've always promoted choosing the right asset allocation for you. And for us, you know, it's closer to 90-10 because we are much younger, we have more time for the market to grow. But the beauty of that is if we do need money, if we, if our emergency fund isn't enough in a scenario, we do have bond funds that can u- we can kind of use as a secondary emergency fund while the market is kind of still figuring itself out. Right. And that was part of setting up your plan, right? Or your Correct. balance portfolio or like your investment what you, policy your statement. Right. The we have I, a great episode on that. The IPS. Right? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic so. episode. Just a couple episodes ago. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and give that one a listen. Right. So when you have a plan, when things like this market downturn happen, right, you stick to your plan. Right. right. So there's no reason to deviate from your plan. You just get to buy everything on, you know, big bargain sale. Right. So that's that's the benefit. You know, we're excited about this time. You know, then the market's kind of downturn. You you could look at your numbers and be like, oh, yeah, I lost like a whole car or five cars or whatever. Right. Um, in the market this last, you know, last couple of days. But we're just looking at it as like, OK, great. Everything's on fire sale. Right. So time to you know, maybe like see if we can scrape some more money together to invest some extra. Right. Right. Because we're not planning to pull the money out now. Even if one of us loses our jobs or both of us lose our jobs, we still have money that's like in safer accounts that we could pull from in that scenario. And even if you are in a later stage retirement strategy, like Angela said, you would only want to pull out the money that you need when you need it, right? It's like it's a wonderful life. All right. Everybody is... That's one of the best movies of all time. But there's that bank run where the guy goes in, you know, and it's like Great Depression is hitting. So everyone's freaking out about their money. And Mr. Bailey, George Bailey, he runs the bank. And the townsman is like, I need all my money out. And George is like, what do you mean you need all your money? You know, you have like all your life savings in this bank. Why do you need it all? Like, what do you actually need? And that guy was a jerk. And he said he still needed it all. But then everybody else, (laughs) like the one lady was like, oh, I only need like $10 to buy groceries for the week. And right. And George Bailey was like, you're the best. And he gave her a kiss on the cheek. Fantastic scene. Great scene to go and watch. I'm sure you can YouTube it because that movie probably lost its copyrights like a long time ago. That's why they show it all the time because it was cheap. Um, But the point there is, Don't be that first guy where you like panic and you're like, I need all my cash to go bury it in the backyard. Be like the second person, be practical, be like, what do I need? And so most people in retirement, I always encourage you to have a year of savings or a year of expenses in your savings once you're into retirement stage. And then, you know, you can float that if you need to, if you're like, I don't want to touch my investments, but then you also have this bond allocation, right? Mm -hmm. So you have another safe layer where like, you don't have to panic and be like, I need access to this money right away. Because Brett, did you know that most markets, even when there's a downturn, recover within at most 22 months? 22 months, so not even two years, right? So in 2020 at this point, right, we'll be fully recovered to where we were. Well, okay, yeah. (laughs) Fully recovered, no, on average. So it could go longer than that. It could go shorter than that. And 
it really, you know, nobody knows. That's the point. Um, but, but the I historical think, data tells us that this will not last even a, a tremendous amount of time, right? Right. So it's, if you have a year of savings, you know, ready to go, and then you have, if you're still working, you know, don't even worry about this. Just keep putting money in your 401k, every paycheck, dollar cost average. That is what we say 100% of the time. Also, if it makes you feel any better, Warren Buffett just ran out and bought like a million dollars of Delta stock because (laughs) he always says, when other people are fearful, be greedy. When other people are greedy, be fearful. So now's the time to be greedy, right? Bye, 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 bye. Just like Brett said, just like NSYNC (laughs) said. Um, and, And don't be afraid. So keep your 401k contributions up. Keep that money going in. Don't move your money around now because if you move it around now, you do lose money, right? Right. That you lock in the losses. But if you don't touch it and the market goes back up, you didn't actually lose anything. Right. I mean, if you're one of the people that, you know, three weeks ago pulled out your entire 401k and then put it in today at the lowest point in the last couple of weeks we've had, good on you. But I bet like nobody just did that for no reason. Very right? few people can time the market correctly on the out and the in. Right, you just have to do it randomly, get completely lucky, and those right. are the people that are like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm great with the stock market, and they could never do it again. Right? And 90% of the time it doesn't work out for people, but you, nobody tells you when it doesn't work out for them. They only tell you when it does, right? right? They, they get quiet real fast when they're just like, oops, I just lost $100,000 or whatever, right? Yeah, so I wanted to mention uh, another thing too is most stock funds, like in your 401k or, or in a taxable account, return dividends. So March... We get dividends this month, right? It's first quarter, we get some dividends. And a lot of times, even in a recession, you companies will still try to pay out their dividends because if they don't, then investors get even more nervous and the stock price drops more, right? Mm-hmm. So companies are strongly motivated to pay out that dividend. Dividends pay out between, on most, most funds, about 2%, we'll say. So do I have to have any like special funds to get dividends? No, most, most mutual funds just go ahead and pay this on out. Most... You know, index funds, they all do it. You get about 2%. And I always just set it up to automatically reinvest. And the beauty of that is now you get more shares at the lower price. Right. So they're worth twice as much, right? Right. So then as the market goes up and the value goes back up, you just have more shares that you got at a lower price moving on up with it, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, And the last thing I wanted to talk about really quick here, Brett, is my friend Bob. I think we've mentioned him on the podcast before. We have, yeah. But he's one of my favorite people. So he historically only invested every single time there was a big market decrease of 30% or more following his investment. So he invested in like the 70s, the 80s, the dot-com bubble, and then in 2008, you know? So he invested and then the next day it like tanked, right? Right, like tanked. That, that's what happened. Like, like he basically invested yesterday right. and then today happened. Right, so right? he only invests on the high days, right? Right. So the worst possible strategy you could ever plan for. Right? right, so he saved all his money and then he only dumped it in on that one day. So he didn't even dollar cost average. He didn't buy on the downs. He didn't buy across time. He only bought at the highest point when it dropped. And he still averaged close to 10% over, I believe it was 45 years of investing Mm -hmm. because he did one simple thing. And that was to never take his money out. Until he was ready. Until he was ready to retire. And he drew it out, not all in one lump sum, but only as he needed to. Correct. So he averaged, you're saying he averaged 10% 
return on all of his investment over that 45 years. Even investing on the worst possible days. Yeah. Well. So, you know, a lot of people have actually been reaching out to me via email or even via text message being like, what's going on with the market? And I'm telling everybody the same thing. Just stay in it. Stay the course. And I know it's tempting to get out. And I know, especially if you're watching the media, there's a lot of fear of it's going to get worse before it gets better. Maybe that's true. But do you want to be the person that's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to listen to them. And then you pull it out and the market goes up 10% tomorrow. Right. And then you're just locked in that loss and you're just like alone by yourself at the bottom of the well there. Right. (laughs) So don't sell now. The market's already down. You missed your window, right? Because then if you wait until it drops that low again to put your money back in, so you're not locking in the loss, right? You're locking in a neutral. You're missing out on all of that opportunity in between, right? Right. So you're still potentially better off just putting it back in anyway. The best time to invest in the market was yesterday, and the second best time is today. And I even say that on a day like today where the market dropped 10%. Because... The basic principle of that is as soon as you have the money to invest, so every you know Friday that I get paid, I go ahead and I just ship that money over to my 401k. I don't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how everyone should be. Have an auto-invest strategy, stick to it, stick to the plan, and we're going to come out of this just fine. You know, like in 10 years, this is going to be a blip on the radar. Right, because whatever you can do to micromanage the market, even if you are paying attention to it, it's not even worth your time, like the difference in the amount of money that you're going to make in the long run. And Unless it's your full-time job, but then it's even super risky. There are people that do that as their full-time job and still do not perform as well as a passive investment. A person just, that just puts in money every week or whatever, every two weeks. Right. right. So somebody who dollar-cost average will still beat out the active, per, like even professionals, right? Mm-hmm. Even Warren Buffett, who I look to as the investing guru because he is arguably the most successful investor of all time, he his strategy and his kind of advice for his trust when he passes someday is a 90-10 stock bond allocation where you rebalance like once a year and you take out, you know, 4% a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's telling his heirs to do. So... I'm sorry if like Warren Buffett was my dad and that's the advice that he told me or like instructed me to do in his will, then I would probably listen to it because I don't think that he would try to screw me over. (laughs) (laughs) So listen to Warren Buffett, be a buy and hold investor. It'll all be okay. Don't panic. Just really don't panic. I know the media makes it really hard to not do that with everything going on right now. I know the world's kind of a crazy place, but we're going to get through this. Right. So. And it's scary to like lose like all of this like money that you've like worked for and invested and like you just see it like go down to like zero or like you just lose so much of where it was last week. But it, it's all monopoly money. Like you didn't have that like high interest money anyway. Those were just numbers on the screen. The negative numbers are all negative, just numbers on a screen, right? That's not real money until you want to go draw it out. My my best advice is to look at the share price and or sh- number of shares that you have of a mutual fund instead of the dollar amount because you will always see the number of shares go up okay yeah 
right? Mm -hmm. Between dividends, between contributing more, that number will always go up. And so that can be like really motivating to look at. Ignore the dollars for now. The dollars don't matter. And I mean, the other thing that we have always kind of preached on this podcast is don't go and buy individual stocks, (laughs) right? Because then you could see your value drop to zero because a company can go out of business. Mm -hmm. But if you have a mutual fund, the benefit of that is you're well diversified. You don't just have oil, which has crashed tremendously. You're not just in tourism. You're also still in, you know, all sorts of other industries and businesses, and they're going to recover, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So insurance is great to get into now, right? Yeah. <laughs> fears, fears from pandemics globally, right? Insurance goes sky high. So. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add, Brad, or any final words of wisdom? No, I just wanted to throw out an episode here to make sure that everybody was like, just stay in the course, just not panicking. Don't worry about your investments. Stick to the plan. Have a plan in the first place, right? Understand where your emergency fund sits because the people that are prepared in this time frame, right, and the people that have like, you know, actually taken to heart some of the episodes that we've done leading up to this point and talking about your strategy, um, right. Those are the people who are prepared for this scenario exactly where fear can play a big part and make you do things that you shouldn't be doing. So make a plan, stick to the plan, know what your options are. And in worst case scenarios, you still have a plan, right? You have backups and you have emergency funds and you're ready for this, right? Right. And, you know, I think the other thing too is if something happens and you go down to one income for a while or, you know, if your income changes at all or maybe you, you know, your salary gets dropped or something, just flex those frugal muscles. And that's what we preach all the time on this podcast, right? Is like learning how to save some money, learning how to get by, you know, go on budgetbites.com, figure out how to cook some cheap meals at home. <laughs> and that's something Brett and I have really been focusing on this year uh, is getting our grocery bills down. In, wow. In or watch city. frugality videos on YouTube yeah. because they are great. And there's a lot of cheap, easy meals on there. Yeah. And some weird food that you probably shouldn't make. But um, So those are all great things to do. And if you have any specific questions or you just want to reach out to me and be like, hey, uh, you know, I want some more personalized advice, go ahead and shoot me an email, Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I will be happy to respond to you, comfort you, whatever you need during this time. But for for everything else that we've said, just remember Bob. He literally only invested on the worst days and he still came out ahead. Right. Stay the course. And good luck, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the bank.